We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 Scottish Open Genesis Scottish Open Picks Research First Look Preview. Plus, we're going to dig a little bit into the Barbasol as well, the alternate event going on in Kentucky this week, which should remind you a lot of the event that's currently going on, the John Deere Classic, because it's going to be just like the John Deere Classic, except worse somehow. As I mentioned on the Monday show, I'm recording this well in advance. I don't have the finalized fields, which means they're not uploaded into Fantasy National as of yet. That usually comes out on Friday evenings, and I'm long gone by that point, so I have the information that I can deal with, too. What I can do is walk you through each of the courses. We can try to set up. We know who's mainly going to be in the field, at least the big names that are going to be in the field, at least at the Renaissance Club in Scotland. I mean, who are the big names that are going to be at the Barbasol? Like Troy Merritt? Even he's not playing this year, so it's kind of crazy. Seamus Power, last year's winner at the Barbasol. He's playing in the Scottish Open, I think. He's playing in the Irish Open, for sure. That's currently going on. I know that. Is he playing in the Scottish? He's not quite high enough in the world rankings to get that, like, big listing. I do have, like, a full rundown of all of the players, but... It still has Patrick Reed on it, so I don't know how up-to-date any of this stuff is. Reminder to everyone to smash the like button for the episode, sub to Mayo Media Network, and in the comment section, give me your early lean for a double, a parlay between the two, or just give me who you think is going to win the Scottish Open this year at the Renaissance Club. Next week, we're going to start off on Friday... Hopefully, I have my special guest lined up as we preview the old course at St. Andrews. We'll have the DraftKings Millie Maker first look pick show on the weekend with Raza and Tambo. Picks with Jeff on Monday. Me and Rick going player by player on Tuesday. Tambo and myself in the live chat on Wednesday. I'm trying to figure out a good payout structure 
for people because, you know, I want those Apple reviews. And you can get into that draw now. You can go qualify yourself. I like the ballot system. So in the newsletter, I'm going to have a special way to get 100 ballots into the draw because the big ones are going to be that and leaving the rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can do those two things for me. I don't know. Do we want to break it up like, hey, here's 200 bucks, 100 bucks, 100 bucks, 100 bucks? Or do we want to say 500 bucks? One person wins 500 bucks, cold, hard cash. You let me know in the comment section, which is preferable to you. I'm thinking the 500 bucks, right? Like, hey, it's it's like, you know, come in, I guess, not second place in the listeners. League. The listeners league is open, by the way, for the Scottish. 2,500 spots. And again, this starts on like Wednesday evening or very early in the morning on Thursday. So you're going to have to have all your stuff done by Wednesday evening. Tom and Sky are going to be live. For the, the DP World Tour, Picks and Bet Show, is going to be live on Mayo Media Network sometime on Wednesday afternoon. I'm thinking 3 Eastern, maybe 4 eastern so i'll be doing the live show in the morning with tambo but you know tom he's not in scotland he's in england but he follows the dp world tour a lot closer than i do if you want some of the names towards the back end of the field this week so playing the listeners league we're going to shoot for the moon and try to get 6500 spots for the open championship in order to do that we need to fill the scottish open right away that link is down in the description right now so please go get your three entries 15 dollars to play three max entry no rake. That no rake makes it the best tournament on DraftKings. What's better than 2,500 spots will be 6,500 spots next week of rake-free money. That's almost, I, th- I think that is 100K of rake-free guaranteed money in the prize pool on DraftKings. So highly recommend that you go do that. Okay? Let's jump into it. Let's take a look at what we're dealing with this week. This is the third year, fourth year in a row. Fourth year in a row now. That the Renaissance Club in, let's see here, there we go, there's the course card for us. Uh, That is the scorecard for the Renaissance Club Scottish Open. And as you can see, as we kind of go through it a little bit, number five tends to play, I mean, Minwoo Lee when he ended up winning. Uh, last year, he ended up making eagle on this. Oh, you can take a look through the scorecards of a lot of the guys last year. The two things that really stick out to me is that you can make eagle on many of these par fives. Uh, it's going to be trickier. A lot of the field did make eagle on number 16. That is an eagle type hole. I know, only 127 meters. 176 yards for the uninitiated out there. We're playing on Pat Mayo's home soil here. We're going to be measuring stuff in Celsius. We got meters on the go. Woo! Truly an international event. Uh, and number five, you can drive number five. You can put yourself on the fringe for a chip in. Uh, those are the two holes where primarily you're going to find eagles on. So even when you jump over to Fantasy National, of course, everything will be loaded in by the time you're actually watching this. I just have it set to all PGA Tour players right now. But even if you wanted to go, you know, just take a quick look down the board and see what we're dealing with here in terms of scoring. Let's see, is it under, yeah, birdies birdies and bogeys. We should probably look at that because Eagles is going to be included in that. Past 50 rounds right now for all PGA Tour players. Who is number one in Eagles gained? Callum Terran, the Englishman himself. I guess Bryson's not really a PGA player anymore. Uh, Maybe we'll get this updated for, like, Live Showdown. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Rose, Lipsky, Harmon, McNeely, Luke List. Luke List probably going to be over there. I don't know if he's actually in the field. Is he in the field? I, I had the field here somewhere. In one of these tabs I randomly have open. Oh, there's the there's the see-through. Uh, that's the overall field. Yeah, I guess Luke List isn't going to make this list of the players in the field. But back to the scorecard for a second. And we're going to do the course preview as well, just to kind of give you a look. It's a beautiful course. I can see why they keep coming back to the Renaissance Club. Some of these, like, you find... 
most of the bogeys on the card come early. Like one and two, at least last year, played incredibly difficult for even some of the very top players. Min Woo birdie like every single hole on the front nine. I think he had seven birdies on the front nine in the final round. He stormed the leaderboard and ended up just getting in. He got into that playoff. And that was all she wrote. Where are we at here with the playoff? The leaderboard last year. Yeah, he beat Minwoo Lee. Or Minwoo Lee beat Matthew Fitzpatrick and Thomas Dietrich in a playoff. As you can see, uh, just, you know, Minwoo. You can see that eagle that he ended up with. Uh, that was in the round before on the par five. He didn't make an eagle on number 16. But you can see number five, number 16. They're the ultimate birdie hole. Seven is the par five. Seven's pretty easy as well. Uh, Ten. And actually, well, there's four par fives and there's five par threes. So that is something to look at uh, a little bit. Number 10, you know, different guys can do well on different holes. But he's, as you can see, like Dietrich, he's another one when the pins were moved up, the tee boxes moved up that day. Like you got to make birdie on number five or you're kind of toast. You can see he kind of gave it up here, although he did birdie a par three back to back days in rounds one and two. These are the par fives that you need to clean up on every single time. Fitzpatrick, he ends up getting into it. He made a double on that par five because you start venturing off this fairway and you're kind of screwed. But number five is the hole that you want to get to here. Oh, Poulter ended up coming in fourth. We'll take a look at some of the correlation potentially a little bit down the board. But shout out to our friends at GolfDigest.com. Obviously, I do work with GolfDigest.com, so we can use their handy YouTube vids here to take a look at the course. And, like, just look at this. You can see why people want to come back to this course year after year. And even though this is a co-sanctioned event now. So what we're looking at is a lot of PGA Tour players coming over to play in this event along with not necessarily your run-of-the-mill DP World Tour guys, but just look at this rough. Like, it's not that it's non-existent. It's just once you hit a certain threshold of the rough, all of a sudden you're just going to be in a wasteland and you're going to have to hack it out. You're going to end up in some of these pot bunkers and it's going to be God awful. And you can see some big numbers like even Min Woo. Min Woo made a seven in the first round on one of these holes. You saw on an easier par five, the easiest par five of the bunch, Matt Fitzpatrick is making double bogey because you can find yourself hosled down in one of these just terrible lies, just like you're going to see at the Open Championship. Like it's, I don't think it's crazy that guys would skip this and then play at St. Andrews the next week. Obviously, if you're on the Live Tour, you can't play in this event. You're banned. You're banned for life from the DP and PGA tours. But I always like when you like see the overheads. You can see like the different grains of grass that come out. I just think it looks really cool when you see the overhead. NBC always does a really good job with this tournament as well. Let's try to scan up forward for number five. So here's the easy number five, 338 yard par four. It's slightly uphill. And as you can see, like there are two ways to attack this. You're going to have your Justin Thomas route where he's probably just going to lay up and he's going to hit his wedge to five feet and tap it in for birdie. But an, every guy in this field essentially has the length to get it there, depending on the wind, because you can see the ocean in the background that, you know, you might have some problems from time to time. If there's a gale force gust in your face, maybe you're not going to get it there. But this is great prep. Like just look at the size of these greens that you're going to have to have your lag putting in check. Uh, you're going to have to feel like, hey, especially if it's like super windy, like these fescue greens. Like we have some fescue greens around where I'm at. You don't see a ton of them. Obviously in the PGA Tour rotation, I don't think that there is a single one of them. Chambers Bay might be the only one I can think of that actually had fescue greens. But you're going to see that here. You're going to see that at St. Andrews next week. And they can run incredibly slow. And they can be severely wind impacted as well. You get a bit of rain down on them and whoo. But they can change. They can dry out so quickly and at different elevation levels on the course. I mean, 
mean, this is Scotland. Um, it's not going to be like, you know, super, super high peaks to super low peaks. It's a very flat course, but just different proximity to the ocean, different proximity to the trees. I know that sounds really weird, but there might be a lot of inconsistencies green to green. Now, this is an immaculate course. I'm sure the groundskeepers have that under control but when it comes to wind, rain, heat, and even the wind scraping the top of the putting surfaces that some may just dry out a little bit quicker. So one, you know, a 10 foot putt might be super slow, uh, one hole, two holes later, it might be, I wouldn't say super fast, but fast all of a sudden. So you really need to have, I mean, there's so much creativity that goes along with these styles of courses, which is why you see not necessarily unconventional winners, but it's why you see older players able to compete uh, more often in open championships than any other major because you know sometimes it's easier to bank it off that hill over there because you know it's going to roll up near the hole. I was shocked. I mean, it's the reason that I bet on Spieth to win last year's open championship. I think you get more of that from all of the other Rota courses outside of St. Andrews. You have some of that at St. Andrews, but St. Andrews is really just like bombing as far as you can, hit your wedges, make your putts, be on your way, unless the wind gets absolutely outraged. This course is beautiful. Just look at it. How awesome would it be to go to play there? I wonder if uh, the tour junkies ended up hitting this up when they had played. They played. I know they played the old course. I don't know if they got on the Renaissance Club or not. We'll have to hit up at Tour Junkies on Twitter to feel this out. So GolfDigest.com. Um, you can just kind of search the Renaissance Club and you can get your hole by hole. You can go through it. Uh, I think it's pretty cool to go look at. I mean, look at that, man. I would so be down in this ocean. It'd be so easy for me to be over over the cliffs. I mean, they might as well just shoot Game of Thrones here as well. This is where, what, the Ironborn were from. I think they shot all of that in Scotland, not too far from this. These cliffs, you know, they look very familiar. All right, let's pause that and let's go to what happened. Well, that's what happened, what, two years ago. This is what I wanted to look at before we get into the, like, the course history segments of everything. Is I do think that there is an Irish and Scottish Open coral. There At least there was last year. Because even with all of the big names that came over to play in the Scottish Open last year, you can see there's Ryan Palmer, big name. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, Ryan, John Rahm played in this event, Xander Shoffley. Uh, very famously, Colin Morikawa ended up missing the cut, and then he wins the Open Championship the next week. Sam Burns was T18. Uh, Scheffler was T11. All these guys are back to play in it this time around. Uh, even Will Z, big Will Zalatoris, he hurt himself at the Open Championship last year. Do not forget. Trying to hack it out of the deep stuff. I actually think Will Z says, I mean, it's amazing. This isn't a major, but I do think that Will Zalatoris does set up pretty well, and these fescue greens might kind of be, I mean, they might be the answer to to what he's looking for over here. We'll see, though. This is the Irish Open from last year. So our guy, Lucas Herbert, ends up winning. You have Carlberg, Johannes Vermeen, the American with a very South African or Dutch name, uh, the Laporta Potty, he's here, Bland, Richie Ramsey, Bertleby, the Scrivener. This wasn't the greatest field in the world. Aaron Rye, who had won the Scottish Open at the Renaissance Club the year previous, you know, inside the top 12 and it's the same course this year for the Irish that they're playing currently that they played a year ago. So you see these names near the top, right? Now let's see how they did at the Scottish Open. Let's try to find Minwoo. Minwoo was 17th. Minwoo wins the next week. Thomas Dietrich, where's Dietrich on here? We see Peter's up there. Maybe Dietrich did not have the best run of it. Where's Dietrich? Dietrich missed the cut. So he's an outlier in this situation. But you see Matthew Fitzpatrick obviously didn't play. Herbert, he won the week before. He's fourth the next week. Uh, Verman. And this is up against like the best guys in the world. He's third in Ireland. Then boom, he parlays it over the very next week and ends up you know, T8 
at the Scottish. I think he performed pretty well at the U.S. Open uh, last year, too, when it came down to it. So I do think that you can parlay some of the momentum that you can build up from the Irish Open and parlay that through into the Scottish Open for these back-of-the-tier guys. Like, yes, when we get to it, like Scheffler and Rahm and Morikawa and Xander and Cameron Smith, these are all going to be the guys at the very top, as they should be. They're the best players in the world. However, when you're looking to fill out your DraftKings roster or take a top 20 shot, uh, trying to track to see who is doing well at the Irish Open, I don't have a lot of those numbers for you right now, but I do want to give a special shout-out to my guy, uh, Matt on Twitter, at SGT number two green, uh, who does all of the strokes gain stuff for the European tour. So as we can see here, let's see, Ryan Fox. I only have this after the first round. This is when I'm doing it. So, you know, you can go check back with Matt on Twitter at SGT number two green as he'll have all of these uh, throughout the course of the week. So here's what happened after round one. So maybe these are some of the names to put on your radar. My guy, Jorge Campillo, if he can get into the field next week. And it's going to be harder for a lot of these guys. Oh, Raza's guy, Maximilian Kiefer, losing on approach, chipping and putting his way to glory. My guy, Ryan Fox, out in the lead. I think Moronk is minus five as well. I don't think he quite made this list. But yes, he did finish at minus five. Oh, we can even click on this very handy sheet that he has set up here. I haven't clicked on this. I hope it's not like malware or something. Oh, it's just an entire sheet. This is great. How was my guy, Maroc? Oh, yeah, look at that. This is the guy that we want. Watch out for him next week. Watch out for him. He's already qualified for the Open Championship. We gained a little bit. That approach play is so juicy. You know, the Polish giraffe. He's coming out. Hopefully he can win this week and cash me that bet. That would be very nice if uh, he was able to do that for us. But some of the other names, like John Catlin, someone who hangs around. Aaron Rye, who's won the Scottish Open, having a good year on the PGA Tour already. He's, you know, minus six to start his first round. I have no idea, obviously. I, You know that I don't have any idea where these guys show up. Uh, continues his pretty good play here. So he's minus six. So these are some of the names to stick in the back of your mind. Like, I don't know who Marcel Schneider is, but, you know, oh my God, Fabrizio Zanotti? Is he from Paraguay? Zanotti's from Paraguay, right? Now I need to look this up. He is a Paraguayan professional golfer. Pat, knowing your random Euro Tour guys. I think that's one that really sticks out, though. Fabrizio Zanati. It's a great name. So we can just see if, uh, can you sort on this? Oh, yeah, you can. Matt hooking us up here. Frederick Lacroix. Never heard of this guy. Uh, five strokes gained on approach. A Antoine Rosner, a guy who like beat Bryce under the match play like two years ago and fell off the face of the earth. Uh, he's there. Oh, it's nice to see Hogard. Rasmus Hogard gaining almost three strokes. You have... Moronk up there. If we just go by pure tee to green, and we can kind of filter out the guys who gain too much around the greens, although maybe it is somewhat instructive. Like you have Dale Wintnell, Jordan Smith, and Darren Fischelt. That's not even close to being right for his name. Either way, they're at, oh, Wintnell was over three. Smith was over two. Jordan L. Smith, by the way, when you look up his professional name. Like Moronk was in the negatives around the green, just slightly, but like that's fine. Uh, oh my God, Xander Lombard. He is. You take a Xander versus Xander bet with the other Xander coming off a win. See how you do. Uh, South Africans actually been pretty good at the Scottish Open over the years. Oh my guy, Mav Antcliffe. If this guy can. This guy is legit. The, like the homeless man's Luke List of the European Tour. I love 
Maverick Antcliff. I just secretly bet him every single week, although he's absolute trash and legit camp hot. Like, nowhere near the hole. Like, this is an every week occurrence for him. But his ball striking is so good that you just pray that maybe, just maybe, someday that he's able to put it together. As you can see, like, off the tee, fine. That's great. Even better when it comes to the ball striking. John Catlin actually setting up pretty well, too. So these are different guys that we can potentially look at. I'd suggest going to check this out towards the end of the week to see if you can find some names that are just popping up there. Uh, Again, this is last year's Scottish Open. And thanks to... Oh, that's the year before. There we go. And thanks once again to... Matt, that we have the uh, the Scottish Open strokes gain data from the last three years, from the each time it was at the Renaissance Club. So we can take a look round by round at how Min Woo Lee did it. He was 500 going into the weekend, and he was 13 under in the final two rounds. He lost off the tee in rounds one and three. He only really gained a ton on approach uh, in round two. And you can see the putter got really hot on the weekend and he chipped the lights out against the field. 2.38 strokes gained around the greens in round three. Like That's going to do it for you. Uh, the tee to green was good just overall, but you can see like driving wasn't super important. Going back to everyone, like Lucas Herbert's driving was good. He was one of the leaders in driving, but you can see Matt Fitzpatrick barely. Did he even crack? No, he was in the minus for the week off the tee. He ends up in the playoff. Dietrich. He's slightly positive, and even though he shot minus four, I mean, the putter really did help him out in the final round. But it's, you know, the big approach play is where you want to be here, and you need to be able to make your putts. Can you acclimate yourself to these greens? That's going to be really huge. Like, you can even see if all of these guys who finish up near the top, like Palmer gamed every round, uh, Ian Poulter gained in every round. Dietrich lost in one round. Min Wu lost in one round. That was in round two. And he still shot two under with a great approach week or great approach round. But I, honestly, if you just kind of scan everyone round one to see how they were doing on the greens, if they lost a bunch, you probably just jump off that guy. And even if it's someone that you don't think necessarily injured mind can win this tournament, uh, like even someone like Justin Thomas, like he just got behind the eight ball because he wasn't able to crush and capitalize. He gained so many strokes around the green. His, his approach was God awful <laughs> last year at this, uh, Rom's round two was amazing. Uh, Vermeens, you know, he gained with the putter he gained with the approach and he did gain across the board with the, off the tee. It's funny to see Thomas and Rom, like the big leaders off the tee, pretty good on approach for Rom, very good around the green for Justin Thomas, but they just couldn't make enough putts in order to contend. Like you're going to go deep at this course. Like it's like any European tour style event that doesn't have a lot of wind. It's a birdie fest. Like you're going to have to go out and make your putts. Even someone like Sam Burns only lost on one of the rounds. It's encouraging to see from him. It's funny that, you know, I guess he lost off the tee there and couldn't quite capitalize on any hot putting rounds. But his final two rounds with his approach were immaculate at this course. Wade Ormsby gained 0.32 strokes on approach in the final round. He had a hole in one that round. So the rest of his round didn't go all that well. Oh, yeah, Jack Sinor, this guy. He was, like, winning for a while. Like, who the hell is this guy? Even, like, DP World Tour fans didn't know who this guy was. Uh, you can see Xander actually lit it up with his approaches and couldn't chip to save his life at this course. I don't know if that's sticky year to year. It's probably not, but it is, you know, just digging into the numbers, seeing what we're doing here, seeing if there's any sort of common method of approach to see. You can see from the year before, Aaron Ryan Fleetwood end up in a playoff at 11 under. The wind got really bad. What round was it? 
completely forget now. Uh, and these averages are averages per round, not total for the tournament. So Tommy Fleetwood gained 3.48 strokes gained T to green per round. So he was up over 13 T degree for the entire tournament. Uh, so you can kind of see you're either killing it T to green or you're the guy whose putter just goes absolutely off the charts. It's like a lot of weeks, but you can see Lucas Herbert was actually up there the year before. Malk, Warren, was Mark Warren one of the guys who was up here? Or was that that other Scottish guy? Grant Forrester, Finding Forrester. I think he was up there, and I already closed the tab. Never mind. Who has? Oh, Romain Langskew. He's having a decent run on the Euro Tour right now, actually. So maybe that's not the end of the world. You can maybe go back to him. Beef Johnson. Oh, that was the year before that. Here we go. Sorry. I'm clicking. I've got too many tabs open at the same point. Clint Holt. Um, you know, very good iron player from Sweden. You don't hear much of him these days, but he is on the path to coming back. EVR. So when this plays a little bit tougher, this is one of the tougher. You see Hao Tong down there as well. Vic Perez, who just recently won. I believe he won the Dutch Open. Bobby Mack, he's played in this tournament forever. Grant Forrest. So here's Grant Forrest. He was a guy who was like third at the Irish Open last year, just randomly on the leaderboard here. How does that happen? I don't know. I don't know who Grant Forrest is or why he's good. I know he's Scottish. And playing in the Scottish Open, he also plays well in the Irish Open, too. Uh, Min Woo had actually made the cut the year before. Oh, Mav Antcliffe. Oh, yeah, of course. Another great week where he lost, on average, 1.6 strokes on the green. Per round, on the green. Definitely betting this loser next week. Like a top 40 bet on my guy, Mav Antcliffe. The Aussie. Let's go. And the year before that, Bern Wiesberger won. Yeah, he staged a big Sunday comeback to beat ben, Benjamin Ebert. That, his last name actually is Ebert. Romain Langescu. Oh, he's going to be such a popular play next week. That was the Beef Johnson year. Andrea Pavon before he lost the ability to hit the ball. Nino Bisterio, who's actually playing well right now at the Irish Open. Uh, when we went and took the look at that, wasn't he? Yeah, where's, where's Nino at? I guess we opened something else up. Nino. Where's Nino. Oh, his name's on here somewhere, but where? Nah, now I don't even see him. Let's see. If we sort by score, is he up there? Oh, boy. Off the tee. That's not great. Anyway, I don't know how to use this Excel sheet. Let's go back to... Was Nino on that one? Nah, Nino's not on that one. This is just a thrilling show. I, ha I usually have my style for this, and uh, this is throwing me for a loop, trying to open up all these tabs as I go along. Uh, so this was three years ago, once again, when Bern Wiesberger, now Live Tour member, Andrew Putnam, good God, minus 19. I guess that's, was that the year that Putnam lost to DJ? Maybe it was. Maybe that was the year after. But you can see some, like, accuracy players. Like, Aaron Rye won here. I would call him a pretty high-end accuracy player. Uh, obviously, someone like Min Woo is not the most accurate guy in the world. But, like, Hatton had, was far more accurate than Fitz, a pretty accurate player. Uh, Jamie Donaldson, just more of a mutter, uh, but he's going to miss some fairways. But he's one of, he was, at the time, the Welshman, one of the best scramblers going. Um, so that's what we're having. Guido, minus 14. Hey. Callum Hill, I have no idea what happened to that guy. Then you have Thomas Peters, Otagi. Not getting much from Otagi anymore. He went to the Live Tour. Matt Kuchar, Kelly Smuja. Now, now I can't remember if it was Smuja who won a few weeks ago. It was him or it was the other guy, the other Finnish dude. Some of these names get me all confused. Eduardo Molinari, Bezadenhout was minus 13 that year. Sharma. Sharma's like having, I wouldn't say a mini resurgence, but he has not been as terrible as maybe people think. Oh, there's Rory at minus 13. But anyway, Bern Wiesberger, just a very good approach play. You can see this year it was all approach play. Like just look at these, like basically all the leaders in approach finished 
17 under or better and then who had the hotter putter who wasn't like a disaster off the tee ends up winning this event that's what that's how Wiesberger and Herbert did it you can see that uh, Lang- Langescu ended up doing it with his putter then everyone else was just like hey I'm going to hit my approaches incredibly close can I make some putts not enough down this list to get to the guys once again who weren't so bad so obviously like most courses that strokes gained approach is going to mean everything this week as it tends to do. And as I mentioned before, for the field, you have your very top-end guys. Rory is not playing this week, but you have Scheffler, Morikawa, and Rom. One, two, three. They're the big three in the field. JT is playing as well. Cam Smith is in this field. Patrick Cantlay. Victor Hovland. I guess Cantlay is waiting until the, the Open Championship is completed before he joins the Live Tour. Maybe. Sam Burns is playing. Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, first time playing since... The U.S. Open victory, Xander, Spieth. Yeah, this could be actually a really nice course for Spieth, although he just he did us so dirty at the Travelers. But it was really the one bad round. He actually rebounded quite nicely the next week. And I really like him on these link style courses. He's driving the ball better, and his creativity does mean a lot on these surfaces. And maybe a kick in the ass on fescue greens is exactly what he needs. Hideki's playing. Billy Ho. I mean, don't overlook Billy Ho here, one of the more accurate players off the tee. He went over to Wentworth and won last year, and it was a little write-up. Horschel became the first American to win the BMW PGA Championship since Arnold Palmer in 1975. That's forever ago. Quote from Billy Horschel. I was hugely proud to win at Wentworth last season. I would love to add another Rolex Series win on European soil at the Genesis Scottish Open. That's that, that seems like a very manufactured type quote there, Billy. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton's in the field. Fleetwood's in the field. Rose is in the field. Min, woo, the defending champ. He's here. Bobby Mack. Danny Willett has joined. Francesco Molinari still gets into this field. So it's stacked. And you have like your regulars from the PGA Tour that are going to be here. Plus, you're also going to have your DP World Tour guys. And Fantasy National is not going to do a great job of the DP World Tour guys because that information is not in the system right now. So you're going to have to kind of pick and choose. It's going to be a more difficult week to project out, especially in terms of optimizers, in terms of modeling. Uh, You can basically build your own model. I don't even really know what I want to do for this as of yet. I suppose you could take a look at the scorecard. What do we have here in terms of yardage? Long par 4, long par 4... Long par four, long par four. So there's five par fours over 450 yards. Let's just take a quick scan to see who the the best in the field is at that over the past 50 rounds who could potentially be playing in this field at the Scottish Open. I'm going to try to find this full list here in a second. Rory, Munoz, Cam Young, Lowry. It didn't seem like Lowry was playing. Justin Thomas, Gary Woodland, Sungjae, Rom, Power, Aaron Wise, Sabatini, Sam Burns. Burns might be the look here. Uh, Aaron Rye, also very good. Out of all the par fours, it's only the long ones he tends to play well. Kind of crazy. There's Scheffler. Scheffler just continues to eat up everything. But you see Billy Ho. Billy Ho is up there uh, in this key stat over the past 50 rounds. Let's try it one more time to try to find this. I feel like I had this open earlier. Let's go schedule. Schedule. Genesis. They still use europeantour.com, by the way, in case you were wondering about that. The entry list. Okay, here we go. Uh, oh, Thor Bjorn Olison. He had a win. He won the, I th- think that he won the Danny Willett Bet Fred British Masters. I think that was him. 
Uh, the winner of the Irish Open is obviously going to get in. Kelly Smuja is in. So these are some of the Euros that we're going to see around. So Nikolai Hogard, it was Rasmus Hogard, that both Hogards are in the field. When we looked at the week one, uh, round one, sorry, Irish Open stats, it was Rasmus Hogard who had the great approach game. It was not uh, Nikolai Hogard. I don't know if he played in it or not. He just didn't pop up. This was the other Finn that I was thinking about. Wacky Valamaki, Sammy Valamaki. So it was Smuja who ended up winning. Whatever random event that was. Uh, Clint Holt is in the field. I don't know how his approach game has been recently, but you know, for a while he was just one of those just great ball strikers, especially a great approach player, just grinding it out on the European tour. Oh, I don't see my guy. Random Garrett Grant Forrester, or whatever his name was. He doesn't appear to be in the field. Maybe he's not. Oh, Th- Tristan Lawrence from South Africa. Oh, there's Grant Force. He's right there. So him and Vermeens and Broberg are all back in the field from the European side. Armitage ended up in. Catlin, who is having the good week, at least round one right now, and Antoine Rosner, both in this field. So maybe they're worth looks towards the back. Legends category, Luke Donald. Legend. He's there. So Ricky Fowler has an invite to this event. He hasn't played on the Live Tour yet. He's not playing in Portland. And he's won this event before. Not at this course, but he's won the Scottish Open. I don't know if we're going to see him or not. We might be able to see him. I don't even know if he's officially committed to the Live Tour or not. I haven't seen any official announcement. That was just the rumor. Everyone said that he was gone. So I don't know if he's going to be there. I can tell you that Patrick Reed is not going to be there. But maybe with Ricky Fowler? Who knows? Then you see all of the top end... Oh, there's Corey Connors. So Corey Connors and EVR. EVR had the pretty good finish here. Sung Jay coming off the WD. We'll see him as well. Stewie Sink. Stumanji. Neiman. I don't know how he plays on Link-style courses or even on the... I can see him being all right here. Cam Young. Hollywood Hoagie. Davis Riley. They're all here. Luke List is playing. Guillermo Pereira, a.k.a. Mito Pereira, uh, coming off his huge rally at the Travelers, only to go back underneath the cut line playing in the field. Munoz. I, I wouldn't, you have to remember that like your average PGA door dude here. So like your Munoz is of the world, like, and I don't know how much you guys follow the DP world tour. Like if you're really ingrained in the DP world tour, your Clint Holtz of the world or, you know, Jordan L Smith's, they, I mean, they can most definitely compete in these fields. That's not what I'm trying to say here, but guys like Keith Mitchell and Sebastian Munoz and Keegan and Les, they're just better players. Like, I wouldn't say significantly better players, but they're better. Because when you get to certain events like this, you know, the lean will always be, well, the Scottish guy is going to know how to play in Scotland a little bit better. The Euro guy is going to know how to play in Europe a little bit better. And that's just not the case a lot of the times. We saw Ryan Palmer coming forth at this event last year. And, like, Palmer was on, like, I can't remember if he was in a good run or a bad run. But just his overall talent level, pretty good. There's Lucas Herbert. He's definitely playing. Uh, this could be one of another one of his events as we go forward. T. Gall is in the field. So even a lot of the guys that are playing right now at the John Deere Classic appear to be coming over. You have Fratelli, Thigala, Werner, Captain Ramius is in the field there. So is Lahiri. Merritt's actually playing in Ireland this week. Woodland's a sneaky one to look at. I always thought that he would be very good at open championships. It just never really materialized. So now we're down in this bottom tier. Kitayama is playing in the Irish Open right now. So is, I believe, Aaron Rye is too. And obviously, Scotsman Russell Knox is going to be there. So these are all the players that you're... Oh, there is Callum Terran. There he is. Boom. Just play Callum Terran next week. You're good. We already won. Perfect stuff. So that's my, like, brief, weird preview of... Are these guys... No, no, these guys are all in the field. This is a huge field. Dietrich, Scrivener, Guido, Bjelk, Sean Crocker, Laporta Potty, my guy, Moronk, 
Here we go. Maroc, Maroc, Maroc. One, two, three. He wins Irish. He wins the Scottish. He wins at St. Andrews. Wouldn't that be nice? I'll be definitely playing Sharma next week because I can't quit myself on old Sharma. Oh, Jackson Orr. He ended up getting it. And Mav Ancliffe, last man in the field. All right. Way to go, Mav. I think I just like the name. It's like we have people like Maverick McNeely. Maverick Antcliffe. Antface. We're doing pretty good over here. Oh, Juice, Juice Luton and Nino Basterio can't get in the field. So with some double D, WDs, these are the next up uh, once they reposition these players on the DP World Tour after the Irish Open. So I hope that was helpful. Like, I'm just kind of trying to scan through everything, trying to come up with some correlations, trying to find some guys maybe towards the back end that we like. Once we get a lot of people in tournaments like this, obviously you're going to go to the top and you're going to take whichever one of the top guys, whichever two of the top guys that you like out there. So it's more important what you do at the back end of this. Do you just want to make two bets at the top, call it a week? I can see it. We've seen some longer shot winners, like Rai was no favorite. Min Woo was no favorite at this tournament. Burned, I'm not quite sure. I doubt he was like the overwhelming favorite in the tournament. He's probably like in the top 20 in terms of odds. So we've seen some sort of like out of nowhere winners, plus like the live betting opportunities for this tournament. I don't know how Rye ended up coming back two years ago, but I do know that Byrne stormed it. So did Herbert that year to both get into the playoff. And then Min Woo just came from nowhere. He came from the clouds uh, and ended up winning on the final day. So you can catch someone, especially if they get a good weather draw early on Sunday as a live bet opportunity at the Renaissance Club because scoring is available. You see that. And conditions can get really tough. And then you're just making crooked numbers all over the place. So uh, there might be sort of like we always see at the Heritage every single year, that there's a chaser who just kind of comes up because scoring is there to be had, but the course can also show its teeth and play very difficult. And it really depends on the waves when you go out, how the wind adjusts and where you're currently at on the course and how the wind actually affects you at that time, that it has that potential, especially with two eagleable holes. There's a drivable par four, a bunch of birdies out there where scoring can come like birdie bogey shifts or even birdie double shifts very quickly. And then just boom, the whole leaderboard is flipped. So playing the Pat Mayo Experience Scottish Open Listeners League, link is available down in the description, but we're not done yet. We're not done yet. I was going to try to guess the odds, but I don't even know what the entire field is right now. I did want to quickly go over and chat about the Barbasol. Yeah. The Barbasol in Nicholasville, Kentucky. Keen Trace Golf Club champion, Trace. Par 72, 7,328 yards. There's 76 bunkers, water in play on six of the holes. Bent grass everywhere. Bluegrass for the rough with fescue, but the greens are bent, the tees are bent, the fairways are bent. Uh, hit up Wiley on Twitter, at Golflandia Podcast. No one in our space knows this course better then Matthew Wiley, he's involved with this tournament. Not like involved, he's not playing in the tournament. But in terms of like the sponsorship committee, he's been at the course a lot of times. We take a look back at last year. Seamus Power, get that win. I mean, JT Poston is trending currently in the right direction after his final round at the Travelers, his first round at the John Deere Classic. Uh, probably going to be a pretty popular play next week. So last year it was Power, Poston, Ryder, Lahiri, Norlander, Luke List, James Hahn. My voice is a bit bit hoarse, so I'm not going to go full on on you. Patrick Rogers, Ryan Amale. Oh, there's the Bram wagon. He's up there. I just remember the year the Troy Merritt. I think it was this event. He just It's funny because we have strokes gain data for this event. I don't know if there's going to be actual shot tracker next week for the Scottish Open. Because it is a PGA Tour sanctioned co-event, maybe we'll get it that way. We'll see. Power was just solid tee to green, essentially. And 
good on the greens. He didn't really have one deficiency. It was a completely balanced performance from him a year ago. And like, you know, yeah, the the great approach players all finished pretty well. Mind you, you know, third, first was Sam Ryder was first. He came third. Norlander was second. He came in fifth, 11th, fifth. Oh, Bo Hogue, my guy. But it just seemed like just overall tee to green is really where you wanted to be. Uh, except for Spawn, when you lose nine strokes, JJ Spawn, nine strokes putting lost? It's not great, pal. Got to figure that out. Let's go to the year before because we can go through all of the years at this event because they have strokes gain data for whatever reason. Actually, there's no data for this event. Great. Of course. I say that. I guess I guess I just remember it from last year. Let's see, strokes gained. Yeah, there was in 2018. Troy Merritt ends up being the champion. That's a great tee to green week. A 10.2 strokes on approach. Gonna be hard to beat if you only lose 0.4 strokes putting. One of the few who has won tournaments without gaining strokes putting. He's the only guy basically outside of Lingmurth inside the top 20 who lost strokes on the green. Very marginal. For him. So let's see if there's any crossover here with the, well, Poston was top five. He was second that year. Good Lord, Hunter Mahan was still on tour. So Ryder was second and fifth. Poston was fifth and second. Merritt upgraded himself after the win. We don't see much from him anymore. Damon Lingmurth. Lingmurth probably gets a start in this. He's been playing some better golf recently too. Oh, Jagabombs. There we go. Oh man, the Chinese bad boy, Zing Zhu Zhang. Whatever happened to Zing Zhu Zhang? Man. That was great. He was the bad boy of Chinese golf. Yeah, Jagabombs is up there. I guess we can kind of take a look at the year before that as well. That was 2017. Oh, my God, Grayson Murray won. So you kind of have like a, a real mixed bag. Like Anytime you have Grayson Murray and then Chad Collins, 1-2 on a leaderboard, you have one guy who hits the ball nowhere and hits every green in regulation, hope that he putts. And then Grayson, who just bombs it. He had a great approach week that week and did make enough putts to stick around. But either way, uh, that you're going to never really find two more diametrically opposed people, 1-2 and two on a leaderboard than those two. Sam Burns, 6. Funny to look back at 2017 to see where some of these guys are. Steve Wheatcroft, good for him. I think Steve Wheatcroft lost he lost out to DJ at the Canadian Open one year. I just remember him sculling the shot out of a bunker that could have got him into a playoff. I think it was in the playoff or solo second, whatever it was. And I think it was Steve Wheatcroft. Maybe it wasn't Steve Wheatcroft, like the 2013 Canadian Open. I don't know why that's in my mind. He ended up coming fifth that year. That was the DJ. It was the, either the DJ or the day. Oh, it was a Vegas year? No. Sometimes they all get me. Oh, yeah, he finished two shots off the lead. Something happened to him very late in that round where he was in a bunker and it just went disastrously. Oh, Jared Dutois. From the year. There we go. Oh, Power had previously made a cut here back in the day. The Elephant Man, John Merrick. He's up there as well. Uh, we can take a look at the course, too. Digging into it a little bit. Uh, you can see it's not very long. Uh, it has the full complement of Power 5s. Let me write down the times for this in case people are jumping around. Yeah, all of you can eagle all of these holes. So eagle rate, if you're going to do any sort of modeling here, you might want to jack that one up a bit. And it seems like if eagle rates are going to be 8.5%, 3.33, and 8%, that anyone in this field can probably get there into at least on holes number 5 and number 15. Now, that's not going to be an issue for anybody in the field. And they all have, I guess, the... Between birdie or better percentage, the only one that isn't over 50% is number 11, and that's still 47% birdie or better percentage. You also have hole number one, uh, very few eagles, but almost a 30% birdie rate, only a 392 yards. 
to open it up with. Uh, are there any hard holes on this course? I guess there's a decent bogey percentage. Like, where do, where do the bogeys outweigh the birdies? Hold number nine. It's three of the par threes. The par threes are tricky. They all measure at least 187 yards. The two more difficult ones, it seems. The second and fourth hardest hole on the course, 205, 209. And other than that, the hardest hole on the course is number 18 coming down the stretch. That's a 17% birdie rate and 18% bogey rate. So birdies and lots of them is going to be the strategy at uh, the Barbasol next week. Hopefully we can find someone. You can see, look, just look how much approach and off the tee plays into it. Very rarely do you see any tournament, especially a birdie fest like this one. Let me move that back over here for us so we can see both graphs in one. You know, like I said, I don't have my normal setup here, so we're doing this a little bit uh, differently on the move. On the fly, we're doing it. Hopefully, this isn't, like, so awful that you've already tuned out. Well, I guess if you had already tuned out, you wouldn't be hearing this part of the rambling person going on right now. But the whole point of the show is to walk you through what I look at throughout the course of the week to get myself situated for everything. Like, the discrepancy between ball striking and short game is, that's, like, unheard of for any course. And putting being less than driving or even almost equal to driving, that's pretty unheard of too. Like generally when you look at any course, approach is super high up, that factors in, and so is putting, and that's it. Like around the green means nothing this week. Like don't be the worst at it. I mean, that's like any week. But ball striking, ball striking, ball striking is what you need here. And that's how you're going to finish at the top. If we take a look, obviously we know like who the best ball strikers in the world are, and they're not going to be playing in this tournament. So who have like who's the best of the rest in the ball striking department that might be playing in this tournament? So this is over the past 50 rounds. Steele, I mean, if Steele plays in this tournament, he's going to be like legit 14 to 1 when it opens. Wise, maybe, if he plays, he's 17th in ball striking. Kirk. I, mean, I think he was over in Scotland, so he's not going to be there. Munoz, Keith Mitchell, they're all, they're all over there. Neesmith could be a nice time for Neesmith to get a win. Austin Smotherman, very high in the ball striking category. Oh, my God, Kyle Stanley. Let's, let's not go with Kyle Stanley. Let's pass on that one. Party Marty Laird, although I'm pretty sure he's in the Scottish Open. Ryan Armour, I mean, he's playing some pretty decent golf right now. Wouldn't be the craziest thing to see him get going at a course like this. And you can kind of like click on the factors of uh, bent grass. Let's shrink this down though, just to see like very recent form uh, past 12 rounds. Even if there's anyone who kind of steps up in the ball striking department from the back end of the field, AKA the guys that are going to be playing in this field this week, uh, short by ball striking again. So steals number one overall now. Yeah. This guy is going to be Corey Condor should just play this event so he can win. That'd be nice. Although he'd find some way to put himself into the tournament. So it's him, John, huh? Uh-huh. Number 19 of all PGA Tour players over the past 12 rounds. Pendrith, I believe he WD'd again at the John Deere. I'm not 100% on that because after Jason Day withdrew and Shank withdrew, I kind of stopped paying attention to what was going on in the first round. I saw Goderip played really well. Maybe he can win for us. That'd be great. Be fantastic news. We get some like Goderip, Goderip Moronk doubles on the go. Maybe Bryson can win for a triple. I'm just so rich, you'll never see me again. That would be great. Danny Lee, Svensson, Neesmith, uh, Jagger. I mean, we saw the high finish from him already at this tournament. Uh, our boy Rathouse was on the bag for him this week at the John Deere Classic. I don't know if that's going to parlay itself forward. Lee Hodges had a very good opening round. Cam Champ's ball striking still pretty good. Tita Green, not so hot there, Cam. But 50th overall of all PGA Tour players. I'm guessing that he will be in the field. I don't know if he has the open invite or not. 
with the three, I guess he won the 3M after the Open Championship. I don't know if that gets him in or not. Right, yeah, he's up there, but he's obviously not playing in this tournament. He's playing in the Scottish Open. Nick Taylor's probably going to play. Kikowski's probably going to play. Or Gachuski. Gachuski, yeah, that's, that's how you pronounce that. Adam Long is another one who's up there as well. So that's just a very quick preview of what's going on at the Barbasol. Like I said, Wiley is the man that you want to talk to about the Barbasol Championship. He's the razor man. You get that shaving cream on. As you can see, I've gone full Cesar Romero here. I didn't shave. I put the makeup over the beard, but you can still see it. Just like when he was the Joker on the 60s Batman. He just had his little thin mustache that he put all of the makeup over and you could just see it anyway. It was hilarious. Love 60s Batman. Anyway, play in the Listener's League. Let's fill that as quickly as possible. I'll be back live, well, live to tape, with Feinberg on Monday morning to break all of this down betting card-wise, mainly for the Scottish. Maybe we'll touch on the Barbasol if there's a number that we like. If one of these guys that I just talked about near the top of the ball-striking list ends up like 50-1 to or beyond, they're probably an auto-bet for me at this point, to be perfectly honest. And other than that, what else do we have on the go? Live show with me in the morning on oh yeah it's america day on monday isn't it it's canada day on friday that's why i'm away so people are gonna watch what are you gonna watch this on july 3rd when you're drunk all day probably not why do i even do this anyway it's done now so thank you all for watching playing those listeners league smash the like and for max ballots for let's say a 500 dollars giveaway now that i've said it i'm committed to it give someone out there 500 dollars in cold hard cash you're going to have to subscribe to the newsletter. That's down in the description. Free to join, and you will find out how to get entered into the draw. There's going to be myriad ways, but one way in particular is going to get you a lot of ballast in that draw, and it'll you know, be easy, and maybe you'll win money out of it too, just by doing the one thing that I ask you. But hit the newsletter, find that out, and then we'll have huge open updates each day of the Open Championship in the lead-up. Until it starts, then, you know, I'm just going to bugger off and you can just sit back and enjoy. I love the Open Championship. Wake up early with the kids. They're running around like maniacs, watching Blippi on their iPads. I'll be tuning in to the Open Championship from the old course at St. Andrews. So I hope to see you then. But, you know, I'll see you before then because I'm Pat Man. And I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.